Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Hey guys, thanks for clicking. I mean it. I appreciate it. I mean this too. I met a big, big time NFL draft prospect this morning and I really like him. And he's not a quarterback. And he's not a defender. He's not an offensive lineman or defensive lineman or wide receiver. What? You're saying you're running out of positions. There are no more positions. There are. And I love one of the guys who plays that position. There's something I hate, though, about the draft. It has to do with being a parent. You might be able to relate. It makes me nervous. The draft is in seven days. I'm already getting anxiety about it. And we have another prominent, prodigious NFL player who is coming at me in Kyle Brand's basement about the 48 pick. Daryl Johnson was in yesterday. He stood up for the 48 Nation. I think it's the worst jersey number in all the sports. We have another person coming out on behalf of an NFL team saying, enough of this. We'll have to settle this. Plus, we have bite fight, sound bite, combat. We have it all, and we have what I love, what I hate, and what is hilarious. Nope. So this morning, uh, I met Bijan Robinson, this Texas running back, and he just comes in this long line of Texas running backs and Earl Campbell and Ricky Williams. Cedric Benson, Deontay Foreman, he's the next great one. And he's not just the next great Texas Longhorn running back. He is the next great NFL draft prospect running back. And it's a really fascinating thing, what's going on with him right now. Because I love this, uh, there was an article on ESPN that uh, Hallie Grossman wrote. And it says, meet Bijan Robinson, a generational NFL draft talent in the wrong generation. And it goes into Bijan's own acknowledgement that his friends come up to him and say, man, if you were... In 2006, you'd be the number one pick overall. And he wouldn't. Uh, well, listen, he would if it was 2006, but he wouldn't now. He would. If you go back to the 2006 era, and I already mentioned Ricky Williams, you had to have one of those guys. You had to have your Ricky Williams. You had to have your Ladanian Tomlinson. You had to have your guy who was going to touch the ball 25 times a game every game. It's just how the NFL worked. And if you didn't have one of those, you had nothing. Bijan Robinson would be the number one pick. He would be the guy, we need him, this is going to be our 300, 400 touch guy, he's going to have a million touchdowns, and on and on and on. And now it's like, oh, you're the best running back in the draft? In fact, you're the best running back in the draft for a handful of years? Yeah, maybe late first if you get unlucky, maybe even fall out of the first round. It sucks, and it would be really frustrating if you were him, who's just been absolutely prodigious at Texas and looks fantastic as a player, um, but he doesn't let it bother him. And I really like that about him. And I would want this guy as part of my team. Let me tell you about Bijan Robinson. You've seen the highlights. You've seen this. You've seen that. He is an electric personality. And I don't mean in some sort of over-the-top or ostentatious, uh, everything's online, I'm on my phone type thing, and I'm a personality and a brand. He just has this massive smile no matter what you ask him about. Even on a remote camera, he lights it up, feels like it's sitting there in the table with you on the set. I really, really liked him. Every single question, he smiles, he, he thinks, he gives an authentic answer. He's very proud of Texas. He's proud of being a running back. And I think he will be very proud to be whatever team drafts him. Uh, look, I don't know him extensively personally. I certainly don't represent him. I don't need to come down here and do an infomercial and say you should draft this guy. In fact, I've said for years, be very, very, very careful drafting running backs early, as everybody has said. Um, I think there's a couple caveats, though. I don't think you can just put a blanket over it and say, hey, listen, uh, Pacheco was a seventh-round pick, and he was dancing in the end zone in the Super Bowl. Why would you ever draft one early? Certainly, in a lot of cases, I wouldn't either. I think the greatest sin is not drafting a running back early. Really, the dumbest thing you could probably do is extend a running back in a few years. 
because we have had unbelievably prolific seasons recently, guys, from big, big, big time draft picks early on. Even if you look at Ezekiel Elliott early on was sensational. Uh, uh, who was who it? Um, well, certainly Christian McCaffrey was, and Fournette is the name I was searching for. Leonard Fournette on the Jacksonville Jaguars was awesome as a rookie. The problem you get into with these guys is that when you get in two and three years in, certainly into the third and fourth year, well, he's, they've been great. I think we should extend them. Don't do that. Because then you get the second version of Ezekiel Elliott or the second version of Fournette, which is highly compromised and not the same deal. All right? But you still want to get that first version. You still want to get that first version where you just say, hi, welcome to the team. Are you ready to touch the ball every five seconds for the next six months? Get in there, kid. I would do that with Robinson. And I would do that. That's the one caveat. I'd make sure to get him early, use him, and I would be very loath to re-sign him at the end. It's cruel. It's cold-hearted business to get a young kid who's 21 years old and then just run the wheels off him and then say, sorry, no extension. But that's the way the business we're in right now. There's that. The other caveat is if you can make it a luxury purchase, luxury purchase, excuse me. If you can make a luxury purchase of a running back, that is the time you want to do it. What does that mean? Meaning that, listen, we feel pretty good about our roster. We're going to try to go from a great roster to an unbelievable roster or a near-perfect roster. And we can afford sort of what we would call a luxury item. And a luxury item would be a running back. I'm talking about the Philadelphia Eagles. It's pretty obvious. Their roster is still fantastic. There's a couple little places where it's a little soft. But they got the O-line, they got the D-line, they got the quarterback, they got the wide receivers. The secondary played well last year. The linebackers are underrated. But the point is, that is a house that what we call on HGTV turnkey. You don't need to do much. You can move right in. You don't have to knock out walls. You don't have to open it up, the open floor plan. You don't have to add an addition. You buy the house, you move in, and you just start living. L-I-V-I-N. In that case, if you have a little money to spend, a little money to extra spend, you don't have to spend to redo the kitchen or put a deck on the back. That's when you do. That's when you buy the heated floors in the bathroom. That's when you say, "Well, my hobby is uh, collecting uh, cigars, and I'm going to install a walk-in humidor for eighteen thousand dollars in my basement." It's just stupid money stuff because you can. The Eagles draft in Bijan would be a stupid money stuff because they don't need a left tackle because they don't need to reach for a quarterback. They don't need a wide receiver. They just need a good player who can win the Super Bowl for them this year. Rookie running backs are great for winning now. Now. Just get them the hell in there. They got those young legs. They can take carries. They can absolutely go in the fourth quarter or the 16th week. I would not, the Eagles, I would say, sure, do it. Get them, fine. And more importantly, I just loved the guy as a person. I really did. His, his, his ability as a football player is unbelievable. He was born in the wrong generation. He would be the number one pick back in the 90s or even the early 2000s. Right now, though, I just hope he's a first-round pick, and I think he will be. I want to see a team that has a great roster, that has a plan for the long term, which does not include jumping to re-sign him, even if he is the MVP of the damn league. Still be very wary to do it. But if you want a guy who's selling himself on his versatility, that you can line me up at wide receiver, you can line me up in the slot, running backs still, still do matter, all right? They do. There are outliers, there are anomalies that are worth it, and if you have that beautiful house already and everything's perfectly manicured and you got the gorgeous primary bedroom and the kitchen is just nice and your wife is happy and you're happy, go get those heated floors. The Texas Longhorns running back, best heated floors in the draft right now. It's a luxury purchase. I hope somebody gets some early. He's an awesome guy. He's a great player. Help you win right away. I love Bijan Robinson. Let's get to what I hate.
So there's always this excitement, this buzz in the pre-draft season where the list of players who will be attending the draft comes out. And it's this player will be there and they're gonna be in the cool suit and they're gonna have their family and their agent and we go to the green room. And that's supposed to be looked at as excitement because you're really, as a draft consumer, you're getting what's gonna be on the menu. Who are the guys gonna be there? Hold up the jersey. It feels right that they're there and they got their name called at four or at nine. It just feels like they should be there. They should walk out and see the commissioner, right? It's kind of like when you watch the Oscars, especially back in the day, somebody wins this award for best supporting actor and they're not there or accepted on his behalf or her behalf or there's a picture or an acceptance video. It's just frustrating. You as a viewer, you want them there. I've come the other way. I now come to the point where I hate players attending the draft. And I shouldn't say that because I'm an NFL person and I should be a company man. The NFL's prom night is draft, but it makes me nervous. It makes me nervous because I'm not looking at it as an NFL employee. I'm looking at it as a parent. You ever get your kids involved in something and you get a uh-oh moment right away? You get that moment where it's, oh man, this kid's I don't know if my son should be playing uh, lacrosse. He's never played before. I've never played before. And the, the guys out there he's playing with are allegedly his age, but they look like they're going to snap him in two. Ah, uh, this is not good. My parental instincts are kicking in. Or even more likely, you drop your kid off for a play date and the house is on fire and there's four older siblings who are looking at all kinds of who knows what on their phones and playing violent video games and eating crap that you don't want your kid to eat. Like, that is when you're like, I don't know if we're going to go over to... Uh, Adam's house again. They they don't really do things the way we do. That's how I feel with all these guys going to the draft. I get so nervous. I get so nervous for them because, sure, Bryce Young, go up, do the thing. Uh, You know, CJ Stroud. There's a handful of these players that will go and they will get their name called and they will go have great honor and they'll have that video and that memory forever. Unless you are a stone cold lock to be a top 10 pick, maybe even a top five pick. I don't want to go. I don't want to go because the worst case scenario, absolute worst case scenario, you fall, you fall, you fall, and you fall the way the hell out. You ever seen someone show up in a suit, show up with their family? It's the best night of the year. They take pictures. They're maybe being followed by a camera crew as some part of special. They get their seat. Here's our table right here. Let's get some water and some Diet Pepsi and let's talk and let's look. Who are, can, are they going to take us at one? No, no, no. Just wait. And then wait so long that they're like, that's all, folks. That's the first round of the draft. Second and third round will be tomorrow night. Go home. It's happened. It's happened multiple times. It happened to Geno Smith. I've mentioned this before. Geno Smith showed up to the draft out of West Virginia with the suit, with the parents, with the family, with everything, and straight up didn't get drafted. Not that he didn't fall he didn't get drafted early or middle. He didn't fall to 27 or 30 or 32. Sorry, you didn't get drafted. Go home. I don't even know if he had something to wear the next day. It's what Daniel Jeremiah refers to bring two suits, guys. Bring two suits. I don't want to be a bring two suits guy. Unless I am going on the first day. And you know what? There's a lot of guys going this year. There's only 31 picks, remember, because one of them is vacated in the whole Dolphins thing. We got a ton of guys going. This has got to be, what, 17 guys? And some of them, I, I mentioned, fine. Some of these guys, who the hell knows? Do we know for a fact that, oh, I don't know, Keon White from Georgia Tech, he's definitely going to be drafted? Do we know for a fact, I mean, in the first round, we know for a fact that Paris Johnson Jr. for Ohio State's going to be drafted in the first round? Because the worst case scenario is you don't get picked. Not another desirable scenario is 
you sit there and everybody in your in your life has told you for six months and maybe your entire life that you're going to be drafted. We have you as uh, far down as maybe eight or nine, worst case scenario, 10 or 11. And you're sitting there at 24 and it's hours and hours and the camera and the camera and they're getting in your mother's face and your face and they are capturing your humiliation and you are just cooking and cooking and it is great television but it's car crash i feel so bad for those guys not to mention in this era of not showing up to the draft it's become a more highly produced more glamorous thing we've seen draft prospects do all kinds of things be on the boat fishing with their dad, be at a huge party with all their friends, or just sitting on the couch with their family at home and they go to the shadow that they get up and they hug. Great, do that. Hedge your bet. Unless you have some sort of snake whisperer in your ear just telling you, oh, definitely, definitely, I'm here and you're gonna, you should go. You should go and shake hands and meet this marketing guy and this agent guy and this endorsement person. You should go to the draft and put the suit on. Stay the hell home and have a bowl of pretzels as your dad sips a light beer and you watch you get drafted and you stand up and you hug your parents or your family or whoever. I know some guys are gonna go, if I am any other than the top handful of guys, I, I'm not gonna be the one sitting there with the camera right in my face as I just sweat and wonder how many more teams are gonna pass on me and am I going home tonight? That's humiliating. I'm not doing it. I'm staying home, I'm having a party. I get it, the draft is awesome, it's a big party, blah, 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 it's really exciting. Not to mention, do you know what these trips are like for these guys? They bring out their whole family, who knows, their girlfriend or whatever they got and their mom. They go to these cities and you are dragged here and here. And this is on the heels of the ridiculous combine and pre-draft process. You got to meet this thing. There's a charity thing going on here. There's a marketing thing going on here. And listen, like it's due respect to Kansas City and the Chiefs and everything. Do you really need that life-changing trip to Missouri right before the biggest day of your life? You need to be there for that? Be careful. I look at these names. Brian Branch from Alabama, Zay Flowers, Christian Gonzalez, Will Levis, Joey Porter, Anthony Richardson. There's a lot of guys going. There's not a lot of picks to pick them. The shortest first-round draft in history and maybe the longest list of guys I've ever seen achieving, uh, attending. We're going to do a show shortly after the draft, and I hope I am not mentioning one of these guys' names as the guy who's just sitting there looking at his dumb phone like one of us because no one wants to make his dreams come true. I get protected with these guys. I love these guys. Have a party. Great. Let's get to what's hilarious. Certain things just hit on the nerves of professional athletes. Their contracts, of course, um, if they're getting the ball enough, if they're being put in a good position to succeed, and oh, their Madden ratings, those are big, and their jersey numbers. I've seen this for years. I have lived it myself on the amateur and college level. Players care a lot about their jersey numbers, especially in football where it's a massive part of your identity. We've talked about this a lot. Every single one of them who goes on to retire uses their jersey numbers in their email address, in their Twitter handle, in their ATM pin. It's just, it's part of your identity. It's almost like your second name. So I knew when I said that 48 is the worst jersey number in organized professional sports, which it is, I knew that there would be reactions. Now, yesterday in Kyle Brandt's basement, we had the inimitable Daryl Johnston, the moose, three-time Super Bowl champ, blocker for Emmett Smith, come in here and take up for 48. He did it 
in a gentlemanly way. He certainly conceded all the limitations of 48 that it makes you look like a slow guy or a long snapper. He did a lot of that, but he did his best to respectfully say, hey, 48's pretty great. And we thought that was it. We've had our fun with 48. I stand by that it's the worst jersey number. And then yesterday, my childhood team, the team representing my hometown, the Chicago Bears, one of the oldest franchises in all of sports, they put out a little missive on the social media out of nowhere regarding their number 48, who is former Utah State player and current long snapper for the Chicago Bears, Pat Scales, and he came at the basement. Hey Kyle, Pat Scales, number 48 of your Chicago Bears here. Just want to let you know, I don't really agree with your opinion of number 48 being the worst number on the field, okay? I personally really like it, and I know that there's a lot of us out there that feel that way too, so shout out to all the 48s in the world. I love it, and I love you, Pat, and I love the Bears for doing that. I would have loved if he described why he liked 48. I did love that he made my point for me that I said when I wear my 48 jersey, I feel like a long snapper. He actually is a long snapper. And I love Pat, and I love the Bears so much that I hope that the player that they draft with a number nine pick next Thursday night shows up and says, 48 is my favorite number. Who has 48? And they'll say, well, our long snapper, Pat, has it. I'll pay him. I'll pay him for that number. I have to have 48. Pat, name your price. I hope that happens. But I'm not holding my breath. I don't think that it will. You know what I did like that he said there? And I love the whole thing. And he's like this completely lovable guy who's really good at his job, who's been in the league for a long time. Louisville, Kentucky guy. Grew up and went to high school, though, in Utah. Um, really good guy. And good player. Good at what he does. Um, Here's what I like. He's been with the Bears since 2015, and he's got a YouTube channel called Dad Life with Patrick Scales, which I am now subscribing to. See, that's perfect. Yeah, I, uh, I smoke meats on the weekend, I drink IPAs, and I wear number 48. It's just kind of me. 48 is the dad bod of numbers, where it's you're just conceding that it's not sexy, but it's you. And there's a sexiness in that. I like that he shouted out to all the other 48s. There aren't that many, Pat. There really aren't. We, we, we've done the research, and I would like to jump on uh, your back on this one, number 48. I would like to right now call out from Kyle Brandt's basement on behalf of number 48, Pat Scales of the Chicago Bears, on behalf of 48, Daryl Johnson, former fullback for the Dallas Cowboys. I want to hear from more of the 48 Nation. I think it's the worst number in professional sports. I don't mean it gratuitously or viciously. I just have done the analysis. It's not personal. It's just so few good players and very, very few Hall of Famers have worn it. I would like to hear from those who still wear it to this day and tell me why I'm wrong. And I'm open-minded to it, personally, specifically. we got to start right here. Yankees first baseman, Anthony Rizzo. I love Rizzo. Again, the Chicago thing. The, the darling of the 2016 Chicago Cubs World Series champion. Caught the final out of the World Series in Game 7. Took the ball, tucked it right into his pocket. I don't know if he still has the ball. Showed up on SNL. Big personality, big talent in the Yankees. Now wearing number 48. 48's interesting because there's not a lot of numbers with the Yankees that you can wear. So he went to 48 by choice? I'm not sure. Rizzo, would love to hear from you why your number in pinstripes matters. Rangers, um, Jacob deGrom. Jacob deGrom who used to play his games with the Mets, probably 15 minutes from where I'm standing right now. Beautiful man, beautiful hair, beautiful talent. You wear 48, Jake. You can probably wear a lot of things. Why did you wear that? Did you wear it as a young ball player? Stand up for the 48 Nation. We're looking for your thoughts. Next, we're going to hockey. See, we named two players and we're already going to hockey. Uh, Yankees left wing, 
Jordan, oh, no, not Yankees. That's not a hockey team. See, that's, this is where I'm, I'm out over my skis. Hurricanes left wing Jordan Martinook wears 48. I'd like to hear from you, Jordan. Flyers center Morgan Frost, great hockey name. Is 48 a great hockey number? Morgan, let us know. Shark center Tomas Hurdle playing down out there in San Jose. Is that cool? Do they like it in California? Is 48 good? Uh, and I would shout out to the NBA players who wore it this year, but there were none, not a single damn player in any of the NBA teams that are in the playoffs now or otherwise wore 48. Zero. Zero. Also, Bud Dupree of the Tennessee Titans. Rumors are going to the Pittsburgh Steelers. You wore 48 for the Pittsburgh Steelers and the, and the Titans, I think. Come and tell us why, Bud. You got a really cool name. Bud Dupree. You got a really weird number. Why do you have 48? I'm inviting all of you, either one by one or in one giant Brady Bunch mosaic right here across the basement, to come in as Mooch Johnston did and have a talk about 48 and try to convince me. Until then, it's the worst number in sports and you all wear it. Let's get to something we call Bite Fight. Boom! All right, three sound bites enter, only one survives. It is bite fight. Three bites enter, one bite wins, one bite to rule them all. First up, the Lakers lost to the Grizzlies last night in their best of seven series, is tied 1-1. Dylan Brooks of the Grizzlies, have you seen this? Yeah, I saw this. He was getting into it with LeBron all game. He's staring him down after shots. He's a hashtag chirping, very animated, and LeBron's LeBron, and he's Dylan Brooks just going at him. And had this to say, Dylan Brooks, after the game. There are some people, the Lakers are making that run, they get it to 14, you and LeBron have that exchange. There are people out there that say, maybe maybe you shouldn't do that with one of the better players in the game. What, I guess, what, what were you thinking? I don't care, he's old. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, I was waiting for that. I was expecting him to do that game four, game five. He wanted to say something when I got my fourth foul. Um, he should have been saying that earlier on. Um, but, you know, I poke bears. Um, I don't respect no one until they come and give me 40. I don't respect no one until they come and give me 40. said with a pendant around his neck with his own initials on it and some white sunglasses look like they're from Roblox. That was strong. That was a lot right there. He's not just talking about some dude. He's talking about LeBron. Uh, well, LeBron, maybe you shouldn't. I don't care. He's old. So that on a pillow, folks. I poke bears. You know, I'm reminded when Jalen Ramsey came into the NFL on the Jaguars out of Florida State. He was brash as hell and he was really talented. And he went after Steve Smith early and said something afterwards about how old Steve is. Just went after it and like everybody loves Steve and Steve was like the guy you didn't mess with and he did and did it because he's old. Uh, love Steve. Love LeBron. But I, I, Dylan Brooks, I almost am uh, seduced by just the brazenness of it in this type of media climate. Just sit here and say I don't like him, he's old. It's, it's, that's, a, that's a take. That's, that might win the segment. But we have two more combatants. Next... At the NFL Draft Combine, oh yeah, North Dakota State offensive lineman Cody Mock answered Stacy Dales, my colleague's question, about Cody. How did you lose your two front teeth? 
the seventh grade conference championship basketball tournament. Um, I was just diving for a loose ball, and so was one of my buddies, and uh, I kind of dove right into his head, and uh, my teeth were all kind of <laughs> loose in there, so I had to get sent to the ER. They pulled him out that night, and uh, I went through the process of getting him fixed, retainers, braces, these flippers with teeth in them, just all, all sorts of stuff. And eventually, I just I kept breaking and losing my retainers all the time. Like my mom was so mad at me all the time because I have to keep going back to the orthodontist to get new retainers. And eventually, I just kind of stopped wearing it and kind of embraced the whole no two front teeth look. And uh, you know, I say that I'm going to get them fixed after football, but I don't even I don't even know if I ever will. It's kind of just I don't really mind it at all. It's kind of just part of me, I guess. Yeah. Has anybody asked you about it in your meetings? I think every team, every person I talk to here has, has some kind of question about it. So yeah, it's, I'm pretty open about it. I don't really mind too much. Yeah, we gathered pretty open about it. Here's a long anecdote starting with the seventh grade conference basketball tournament. Seventh grade basketball is as vicious as it gets. Look at Cody. Imagine the second most interesting thing about Cody is his long red hair. <laughs> you don't even pay attention to the hair or the beard because you're looking at this giant chasm in his chiclets. Why would he get him fixed? Strahan's still cashing checks on the fact that he has that signature look with the gap and everything. All he did was expand on Strahan and make it even a bigger gap. I guess it might be frustrating, I don't know, to eat food? <laughs> like, how do you eat an apple? You gotta go on the side every time? That to me seems like a huge pain in the ass, but he probably just says, oh, you get used to it. It's really good. Cody Mock, uh, great name for a draft season, Mock. Uh, spelled differently though. Excellent answer, excellent story, completely owns it, says every single team. Yeah, Cody, we want to talk about your past sets here, but first, what the hell's going on with your mouth? What is that and why wouldn't you get it fixed? You can tell, he's that kid, he's like, I kept losing the retainers and my mom would get mad at me. I feel that, I really do, stressful. I didn't grow up with a retainer, but I grew up wearing glasses and contacts and I would constantly lose or break the glasses. The contacts were such a pain. So. Really, that's what he was dealing with, and he said, screw it. It'd be like if I said, ah, screw it, I just am not going to be able to see very well. I'm just going to embrace the not being able to see life. I feel you, Cody. That's a really good entry, but there's one more. Fight Fight is three combatants, my friend. And number three, the Fight Fight defending champion. This is, this is my favorite guy. I love this guy from the Saskatchewan Rush. Here is a feature on the Saskatchewan Rush goalie, okay? The guy who won this last time, Alex Bouquet. Uh, ability and to his ability to put a hit on someone. Go ahead. It was just a quick decision that I made, and you know I laid out the player, and I was just playing it at 100% as I usually do. And you know I laid him out, got ready for the next shot or whatever was coming next, right? So matter of fact, but the reaction to Bouquet's hit has been anything but. Over oh. 42,000 people have viewed it on YouTube. I've been doing it for a while. No, I just haven't gotten the credit for it before. Uh, I've been doing it since, what, minor lacrosse, junior A's, you know. Obviously coaches, some coaches don't like it, and, you know, some players, you know, they'll get at you. But I do it for the, the game itself. I mean, I was doing it to win, and that's how I play it. Even in street clothes, Alex is a pretty imposing guy. You get him in his goalie gear, well, proceed at your own caution. If the play happens, I mean, I, I have to do it. It is, it's the game. So, I mean, I got to do what I got to do in order to win, right? That's the overall goal. It is, and you usually win here, Bouquet. I, I love 
it's so interesting that he has approximately 800 pounds of pads on. He looks like the largest marshmallow man of all time. It's just large, large, profound pads. It's really good. And, you know, my heart says go with Bouquet, the returning champ. But it is bite fight. And this bite fight is sound. And the sound of that was far inferior to the visual of him laying the guy out or just standing there in his entire buffs load of pads. So it's not Alex. He's been dethroned. He didn't win. Is it Cody? The gap-toothed, long-haired, red-headed lineman from North Dakota State? Or is it Dylan Brooks just saying, I don't know, he's old? I've heard a lot of fun little anecdotes about weird features at the draft. I'm going with Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks of the Grizzlies. You are, we're not the sentimental favorite here because you're kind of a disrespectful, really cocky soundbite. And these other two guys aren't NBA players doing, having, living the life you are. But it was just that strong. It's bite fight. It is not resume fight or bank account fight. It is who gives the best sound. And today the best sound was Dylan Brooks of the Grizzlies. He's old. He pokes bears. He wins titles. He wins bite fight. Sorry, I, Cody. Okay, I love you guys. Come back next time. I have a feeling we'll be getting a lot from you. Not much more on this show, though, other than going to the Sky Camp. I throw a dart. I go over to the Peloton. I, I, I hem and I haw about some kind of story while I just pedal off and just burn the calories. But first, I have to have a number. And today's number is... Uh, can't count it. There's only one dart left. The other darts are on the floor. Let's try again. Take number two. Today's number is... Can't count it again. Two strikes. Same exact spot. Here, let me just go a little more of a shorthand. Today's number is... Yeah, I got it. Topic number seven, if you please. I don't know any of these. I haven't seen them before. I don't prepare for them. You'll probably be able to tell that by the upcoming monologue I'm going to give you. Seven is musician you want to see in concert. I'm not going to go to the Taylor Swift concerts when she's in town. It's, I, would, I would go if someone gave me a ticket, or maybe even if the ticket was just there for the taking, but... From all the work and all the expense I'm hearing, I, I'm not that big of a fan. And unless uh, my wife was saying, I have to go, and probably even still then, not going to Taylor Swift, not doing it. Um, who do I want to see? You know, the Metallica is the easy answer, but I've seen them many times before. Honestly, there's a thing that's going on in October that is basically the middle-aged white guy's Coachella. Have you seen this? It's even in the same spot. It's in the desert out in California with the polo grounds where they do Coachella and Stagecoach. And it's Tool, Metallica, Guns N' Roses, ACDC, somehow Ozzy Osbourne's going to perform. And it's like they're all there over three nights. And the text chain is already lighting up about, dude, should we go? I don't know. We all got kids and wives. We need to go on the other side of the country to see Metallica or a tool for like the 20th time. Yes. That's the festival I want to go to. I don't even know what they're calling it, but I think I'm going to be at it. I might even be doing shows from there in the desert on a laptop talking to you guys. I hope so. I hope we get there. In the meantime, love you. Thank you. Subscribe, like, post, tweet, retweet, do all that stuff. Uh, we will see you soon. Exit through the garage. Close the door on your way out. Bye, guys. Love you.